Stay safe, Hong Kong. RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Pierre Tremblay. The top stories. Authorities prepare for more protest clashes following last night's violence. There are growing calls for dialogue between the government and youngsters, and the U.S. counts the cost of yet another mass shooting. Police have warned against dissidents and potential unrest as protesters prepare for two more demonstrations today following last night's chaotic scenes in Kowloon. Two months of protests, which began with anti-extradition demonstrations, have seen increasing levels of unrest. Alex Price reports. The first march in Cheongkono is expected to start around 1.30pm. The planned route is from Po Choi Park to the Hong Kong Velodrome Park. Meanwhile, a second anti-extradition rally has been organised for Belcher Bay Park in Kennedy Town on Hong Kong Island. Permission has only been given for the meeting to last from 5pm to 9pm, with police saying they're concerned about the possible gathering of dissidents due to the nature of the event, which may lead to breach of peace or other unlawful activities. Last night, police arrested more than 20 people on suspicion of illegal assembly, possession of weapons and assault during protests in Chim Sa Choi, Mong Kok and Wong Tai Sin. The clashes came after people split off from a mostly peaceful march earlier in the day. Police have played down allegations that they are treating reporters the same way as radical protesters. They had tried their, they said they tried their best in assisting journalists in performing their duties. Journalists covering the protests in Kowloon area last night said they'd been pushed to the ground by police who also used pepper spray and tear gas on them at close range. Senior Superintendent Yolanda Yu said the protest scenes had been chaotic and reminds reporters to take care of their safety, saying that the press always placed themselves right in the middle of the mayhem. Industrial sector lawmaker Jimmy Ng has joined growing calls from the pro-establishment groups for the administration to reach out in an effort to break the political deadlock. Speaking on RTHK's letter to Hong Kong, Mr. Ng said the violent anti-extradition law protests have led to a state of anarchy, putting the city's rule of law at stake. He pointed out that the chief executive, Carrie Lam, has already withheld the bill, the bill and apologized to the public and proposed measures to better grasp public opinion. Well, I appreciate that the response of the government may not have fully met the wishes of the people, particularly of those who have gone onto the streets several times. But I still think the government deserves the opportunity, the time and room to take Hong Kong out of the current impasse. It is advisable to set up a more open dialogue platform to better grasp the opinions from young people of various walks of life. Other groups, including the Federation of Trade Unions, have called on the chief executive to adopt a more transparent profile. Mrs. Lam has been seen only a handful of times in the two months since the protests began. Executive councillor and pro-establishment lawmaker Jeffrey Lam also said dialogue is needed to counter what he called the protesters' hatred. He said calls for revolution are challenging the one country, two systems principle. I call on all people concerned maybe to stop and think and start a dialogue. Uh, we, we cannot allow hatred to be in Hong Kong to destroy our city. You know, I, I, I've seen a lot of action uh, by the protesters. What they have in mind is hatred. And I think if we don't do something about it, everyone in Hong Kong will be hurt. 20 people have been killed in yet another mass shooting in the U.S. A 21-year-old man was arrested at a shopping complex in the city of El Paso, Texas, where the massacre took place. 
Police are investigating whether a white nationalist manifesto posted online, which says the attack deliberately targeted the Hispanic community, was written by the gunman. The BBC's Sophie Long sent this report from the scene. Children were shopping with their parents in the Walmart behind me for new school uniforms, school bags, stationery, all those things that families shop for at this time of year, just a week before school reopens, when a gunman opened fire. People inside the store have described the scenes of chaos and panic as parents tried to find and protect their children. People desperately sought hiding places or routes out of the building. We don't know much about the victims at this stage. Some are reported to have been very young. We know that three were from Mexico. This man was in the shopping centre at the time. Employees, they were coming in, um, and they would they would tell me that they heard some gunshots and people just started bolting straight into the store uh, in order to get get to cover. Uh, me in the meantime, well, I just tried to stay calm, but I was freaking out internally. Democratic presidential candidate and former U.S. Congressman Beto O'Rourke, who was born in and represented El Paso, says President Donald Trump was at least partly to blame for the deadly shooting. He is a racist, and he stokes racism in this country, and it does not just offend our sensibilities. It fundamentally changes the character of this country, and it leads to violence. You're listening to, the, to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. Representatives of the United States and the Taliban are expected to meet for a decisive round of talks in the Qatari capital, Doha, today. A peace deal, if one is agreed, would be a significant step towards ending almost 40 years of conflict in Afghanistan. Both sides have expressed optimism that a deal is within reach. It could lead to a phased withdrawal of U.S. forces in exchange for security guarantees from the Taliban and a commitment to a ceasefire. Sport Australia lead the first Ashes test by 34 runs with seven second innings wickets standing against England. Australia closed the third day's play at Edgebaston on 124 for three with Steve Smith, who scored a century in their first innings, on 46 not out. The BBC's Henry Moran sent this report. This is a test match on a knife edge with Australia's Steve Smith not out on 46 overnight, perhaps the key to deciding the outcome. England took a 90-run lead into Australia's second innings thanks to a fine 65-run partnership between Chris Wokes and Stuart Broad for the ninth wicket. The hosts were eventually bowled out in the afternoon session for 374. England then struck early to dismiss David Warner for eight, caught behind on review. His departure was greeted with predictable jeers from the home crowd. Cameron Bancroft and Usman Khawaja also fell before play was halted for bad light. Australia 124 for three with a lead of 34 and Smith, having scored 144 in the first innings, once again, England's tormentor. Formula One racing, Red Bull's Max Verstappen has grabbed his first pole position in a thrilling qualifying session at the Hungarian Grand Prix. The Dutchman edged out Valtteri Bottas of Mercedes by less than two hundredths of a second. I was just very happy once I crossed the line and then they told me uh, at one point that we were first. I think also a big thank you to the team for that as well because the car has been flying all weekend. Football, Manchester City battle Liverpool later today in the Community Shield, the curtain raiser of this England English Premier League season. Looking ahead, City boss Pep Guardiola says it's more important for his team to have domestic success rather than European glory. Premier League always is the most the most important thing, the local competition, because it's every every weekend. The other one is arriving at the right moment. Four inches offside, no inches offside, decision referees, no decision referees, arriving with a lot of injuries. The team is better than you. So for one game, two games, many things can happen. 
Liverpool opened their league campaign against Norwich on Friday. Manager Jurgen Klopp isn't happy with his team's early season schedule. I don't think that we can, that we can expect to play our best game next Sunday, best game of the season. So that's how it is with the preseason we had, but we have a long season after that. So, um, but that's not about that. It's about winning a football game, and that's what we'll try. Golf Japan's Hinako Shibuno is carrying a two-shot lead into the final day of the Women's British Open at Woburn. More from the BBC's Ian Carter. Four birdies in the last five holes propelled Hinako Shibono into her two-stroke lead. It's a remarkable story. The 20-year-old is playing her first tournament outside Japan. She overhauled a five-stroke deficit as longtime leader Ash Buhai stumbled home in 38 for a 72 that leaves the South African at 12 under par. World number one Jin Young Ko is poised for a successive major victory. The Evian champion shot a 68, which has her within four of the lead. Korean compatriot Song Hyun Park is only three behind, while Charlie Hull and Bronte Law lead the British challenge in the top seven, five strokes off the pace. Lastly, U.S. documentary filmmaker D.A. Pennebacher, who chronicled the 1960s counterculture, died at the age of 94. Pennebacher had a prolific career making documentary films for more than half a century. The BBC's Vincent Dowd reports. It was Don't Look Back, Don Pennebaker's 1967 documentary following Bob Dylan on a UK tour which made his name. It features the famous sequence of Dylan holding up and throwing away cards with the words of subterranean homesick blues. In 1970, he made a documentary during the cast recording of the Stephen Sondheim show, Company. But he tackled politics too. In 1993, The War Room looked inside Bill Clinton's election campaign. In 2012, D.A. Pennebaker was awarded an honorary Oscar. And that ends the news from RTHK. Thanks, Pierre. And a very good afternoon to you. Uh, this is James Ross. In for the next three hours, thanks very much to Paul for the last, what, three and a half hours, I guess. We've got all kinds of stuff lined up for you. Tell you more in just a second. 